Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to invest and tune in today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have your entrepreneurs. We have your small business owners. We have your local business owners. We have your marketing and business coaches. We have your folks who help others build and create their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers out there who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, please explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow, which is our website, and discover how we and our experts help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show or click the big button on our website. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us serve more business creators just like you. And by subscribing on iTunes, you will receive fresh content every week. We're up to over 160 episodes going back nearly 30 years on a broad variety of topics. We have tracks on copywriting. We have tracks on social media. We have tracks on financial success. We have tracks on personal development. We have tracks on internet technology. You name it, we've probably covered it one time or another. And we continue to expand our base. So we're very excited about that. Speaking of exciting things, we have a very unique guest with us today. And when she originally approached us about the possibility of being on the Business Creators Radio Show, and I looked at what she was doing in business for the first time, I was wondering about a little bit. And then I dug a little bit deeper and I came to understand that this episode, which is going to be very unique and is going to cover things from a different angle than we've done up until now, I think you're going to find could change some of your thinking about things as well. Just bear the following in mind. You know how you go on Facebook, especially, or you go on Twitter and you see what I like to, with jocularity, call famous quotes by dead people to take up space on the news feed. Well, the fact is that, and as I've discovered, and as our guest is going to reveal today, these quotes have a deeper meaning than you would think. And they have a greater power to influence your audience to do what you want them to do in a way that it's their idea that than you would anticipate just thinking about it. We like to say, well, who hasn't quoted the Mahatma Gandhi? But there's a deeper meaning to that, and that's what we're going to cover today. And the official title of our interview is Six Simple Steps to Start and Grow Your Business from Zero to Six Figures. But we're going to be looking at some other things, too, especially the power of quotes. So our guest today is none other than Pratima Aravabumi, who is the founder of Craft Street Design. So Pratima is a designer and quote expert. She's built a six-figure business in six months designing these quotes. And she's on a mission to help you achieve your goals, be happy, and pass on the inspiration to everyone around you through her designs. Pratima, welcome aboard. Thank you so much, Adam. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. And as I said, you know, this is a little bit of a different journey than I've seen up until now. So I'm really intrigued, as I know our listeners are as well. So what I'd like you to do is just, I read off your official bio, though, but tell me a little bit about your personal journey and what brought you to the intersection of brilliance and passion where you are right now serving business creators through what you do. I actually started my life in in the corporate, like I think most of us these days do. Um, but at some point, I kind of had, um, you know, went from different consulting uh, gigs to finally to Apple, and that was my dream job. Right. I was very happy there, um, it, you know, designing and working on their UI and a whole bunch of other stuff. And as, after a little bit, I realized that it wasn't giving me any satisfaction at the end of the day. It, although I was working for Apple and I'm learning a whole bunch of new things, I still wasn't happy because I couldn't, I didn't see the uh, effect ahead or the changes that I was making or the difference I was making at the end of the day, and I couldn't see that. And 
So I started really going back to my personal experience that had happened a um, few years ago, and I thought I should do the same for uh, for others. At that point, a few years ago, I was in a very bad arranged marriage, and um, it had, I had gotten very depressed, and I had gone through an entire life cycle of, of uh, depression, and I had decided to end my life. And wow. at that exact moment of thinking about you know, doing something like that, that's when there was a quote on my wall and I had carried this quote with me for a long time, but I have no idea why I carried it, but it was there on my wall and it said, the darkest hour is before dawn. And that, you know, five words, six words that put together kind of gave me hope. They made me think, they made me stop for what I was trying to do and made me realize that I could take control of my life. It is not that there is no choice. You're just not making the difficult choice at that point. So I turned my life around and um, everything changed from that point on. And that's when I started my corporate career and went on. But I had, and I had completely, you know, not exactly forgotten, but I had moved on from that part of my life. So I never thought back. But when Things didn't weren't um, exactly what I expected in corporate. I kind of went back to this experience, and I realized that you know um, the quotes that helped me. I'm sure it has to have some other effect on other people. So I went on to do a lot of research and see how environment and positive environment and words have impact on us as people as we go. It is still, at the end of the day, we're the ones doing the work, but these quotes and words that are in front of our eyes remind us, they make us pause, they make us, you know, give a new perspective for whatever problem we're facing during the day, whether that is personal or business. And that's why I went on to start CraftStreetDesign.com, and that's where we make basically design quotes into these posters and prints. Oh, that is that is very interesting uh, because again, I'm still tr- you know working on getting my head wrapped around quotes. I mean, this is up, up until I met you, I wasn't thinking of using quotes as a way of making money, so to speak. If I if I can be so direct. Uh, now, there's another question I do need to ask you before we delve into this deeper, and I'm really excited about doing so. And our regular listeners know it's coming. Because I'm wrapping on the, the desk here, the drum roll. And here it is. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me that they have everything they need to implement anything that they need to do to grow their business except for time and money. So what I love about this question is, we ask it of everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show, regardless of topic. And what I like about it is not only the variety of different answers we get, but also the variety of different ways the question gets interpreted by our guest experts. So, Pratima, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? <laughs> That's a very interesting question. Time and money impact us in more ways than more ways than we can imagine. It is not just about having them or running a business, but it is really the mindset of around both time and money, scarcity or abundance of it, and how we look at it that matters most. And and today what I'm going to say also is very much impacted by both time and money. Right. That's very true. Now, you shared with us a little bit about your own personal experience. And I got to tell you that, you know, that's, that's a really sad thing for me to hear. And I'm so glad that you moved past it. You got to a point where you were considering ending your own life and leaving this world. And there are more people that have been in that place than you would imagine. I mean, what I've discovered over the years is there are so many people that I've met who I have visioned as being some of the most confident, winning, go-getting types that seem like life has always worked out for them. And then you get into their story a little bit and you find out that they were at a point in their life where they came this close to ending it. And sometimes it's, you know, they got a phone call at such and such a time or 
they had a realization at the very last minute that changed their life. In fact, I know somebody personally who stopped somebody from committing suicide because he just finally got around to calling the person back after he'd been meaning to do so for weeks on end. And it's just the message that person needed to hear at that given time. So you never know when, by reaching out, you could be saving a life or you could be preserving the opportunity for great things to happen in this world. Now, with that being said, uh, I'm not sure if you said so already, but would you be willing to share with us like what quote and who said it that persuaded you of the importance of staying with us and helping the world and how that influenced you to change your mind? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are many quotes that influenced my life, but like I said before, the one the, that the one that really turned in, around my life at the point of ending it is the darkest hour is before dawn. And I'm not sure who said it. It is it has an anonymous uh, author towards it, and it has been around for a very long time. So I have no idea. But there are many other quotes as well that I've used all through my life. After that, because because of the impact it has had, I've used it to achieve many other goals. My favorite one is also about the one that says, um, discipline is remembering what you want. And that's my favorite one because I struggle, (laughs) as many of us know, to do something, you know, consistently, whether that is weight loss or whether that is running your business, whether that is, you know, doing something like marketing consistently to achieve the results we want. So that that gives me a reminder that, you know, when you are tempted to do or to get distracted with something else, it reminds me to stay on target and... Um, I don't know who said that either. That is also attributed to Anonymous. Right. Well, somebody probably uttered it along the line, and then we find that there are a lot of quotes out there that seem like they've been said over and over again, just worded slightly differently by the same people. Like there's the famous quote by Robert F. Kennedy about how some people look at the world as it is and ask why, but he chooses to look at what could be or look at our dreams and ask why not. And He was paraphrasing somebody else who in turn was paraphrasing somebody else. Just like uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself was also not exactly a new phrase, nor was ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. These were all adaptations and paraphrasings of things that other people had said before. So chances are, no matter what quote you see out there, it's highly unlikely that the person themselves just pulled it out of thin air they were probably subconsciously paraphrasing what somebody had said to them or they had read in a book at some point in a way that they don't even remember where they got where they sourced it from. And to me, that's what struck me as I looked into this topic before we had you on today that opened up my mind to the possibility of the power of quotes. So do you have any other examples or any theories about how quotes can change somebody's life. Yours is very powerful, but have you seen others? Yeah, there is a lot of research. So there is this one study um, that has been done where uh, they put a quote that said, take the stairs around the elevator stairs, I mean, around the stairs right next to the elevator where people were trying to get into the elevator. So they were trying to see if this would actually change the behavior of people, like make them do the harder stuff as taking the stairs instead of the elevator, just with a small reminder of words on the wall. And that's what they did. Um, And uh, it apparently worked. And many people took stairs, and there's exact percentages, I think, were like 73% or something. But that was a large number as compared to, um, you know, prior to putting the poster. So it, it triggered people to do something that they would not normally have done. Um, so, you know, keeping in mind that it can provide change, you've, whether that is in a small form, um, and that's not a life-changing change, but it can change if, you know, little things do add up at, um, at the end of the day. So keeping in mind that it can produce change, it, may, it makes absolute sense to kind of surround yourself with something positive and something that you actually want to do, making like a conscious choice to put whatever it is that you're trying to achieve instead of letting it be random. Um, the information that we take from around us is, it, 
why leave it to chance? So that's why I say put the quotes around you. But it has, you know, there are many research studies, just like the one I quoted. There is another one, um, a social experiment actually conducted by two people in um, New Orleans. Uh, they put these little signs that said love on them, and they were putting it all over the city, um, you know, on the tall poles um, on the side of the road. And they wanted to see if it would make any difference. And the way they were trying to measure that was looking at crime rates, if they reduced or increased, or they stayed the same after putting these boards up. And they found that there was a slight uh, difference in in lowering of the you know criminal activity and number of cases reported. Whether that is, again, it's not a... Um, perfect scientific study in that it it could be a causation, correlation, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff, but it did make a difference. And, you know, just reading the word love reduced people's intensity to do something um, in a wrongful manner, whatever the intention of that person at that point was. So, I mean, there are, I could go on and on and on and probably take up a whole bunch of time. But there are many studies like this one that show that the, that your environment, whatever you put in your environment, affects you quite a bit much more than what you would expect because your subconscious mind is taking it in all the time, whether you like it or not. Right. That is something. And... We don't know for sure the extent to which just putting up some signs that say love can impact things, but let's look at the feelings that we experience when we see words like love. Does that make you feel different, just seeing the word? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Do you see, do you see people, particularly on social media, get so outraged by a picture of a person with a quote on it? Uh that they have to share that with some long post about how they just can't stay silent any longer and they hate to bring it up, but, and then they end up emoting all over the place and, you know, do you, do you see that happen? I see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All over the social media, as you've said. I don't necessarily uh, say one way or the other, but the visuals themselves, um, because I have come from a design aspect and the way you present the words also, I think, matters in terms of how you take it in, with, you know, what kind of response you have to uh, a quote, because it is in a visual medium and it affects you as well. But yes, I do see people sharing it. I think they do mostly because it kind of resonates with their sentiment or whatever it is they're thinking at that time. And it's like, oh, that's it. It's like their camera just went into focus and they feel like, you know, that's the message they want to put it around. And that's, and that's interesting about quotes because they could be interpreted and taken out of context sometimes. Sometimes it is actually a good thing. Sometimes it's not so much. So it depends on which quote and what words you're putting it around. Right, because I see this done to cause discord and strife as well. Uh, like I see attack memes out there that cause people to just they, just, they just can't hold it in any longer. And what they end up really doing is just causing a lot more discord by sharing. So it brings out the negative emotions in us. So I have to believe that if we can trigger the negatives, we can certainly trigger the positives. Uh, so if I see an inspirational quote from somebody that gives me the message about focus or gives me the, the, the message about energy or determination on a day where I'm feeling kind of scatterbrained and tired, that might be just what I need to get me off my butt and get me moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on the situation, context, person. Whole, there are a lot of variables, but yes, done right, it does work. You know, I've I've read something and I've tested this myself and found it to have at least for me a certain level of merit is regardless of how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking about right now is I can log into a social network. I can just pick one. It doesn't matter. You know, at this point, they all basically look the same. And within five minutes of scrolling, I'll find the message that I need. And it'll usually be in the form of a quote. 
Have you ever heard anything like that where somebody can basically go online and something will show up that will answer their question, whether they're passively or actively looking? Yeah, I think it is, uh, you know, cognitive bias where we find what we're looking for. And uh -huh. that that is a very common thing in the in neuroscience as humans. Um, we just, it's like, um, to explain it in simple terms, it's almost like you tune into a frequency that that you are going to receive the information that you want. So when you're looking for something, you're basically tuning into that frequency, and that's why you find more. It's like you buy this, I don't know, red Acura or something, and then you find the entire road is covered with this red Acura, and before you bought it, you didn't even notice they were there. Right. I, it's not that the number has increased it, or the type has increased, but it is because subconsciously you're really looking for it, and you don't even know it. So that yeah, I, I hear it that all the time. But that's a great way of finding your own solutions in whatever you're doing. Right, right. And you know, and a great example is like you know, if you uh, if you have a certain kind of car, you're going to suddenly notice a lot of other people have that same car too. Unless you're driving a Rolls Royce uh, or a Ferrari or something like that, you're going to see a lot of them. <laughs> uh, for instance, uh, I currently drive uh, a Mazda six Touring. And I never knew that car existed until I got one myself. In fact, I never visioned myself driving a vehicle that didn't have an American nameplate. I mean, this is the first time ever that I've gone outside an American nameplate. Actually, it's the first time I've ever gone outside General Motors in my entire life of owning cars since I was 17 years old. But now that I have one, I see this car around all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's almost like you bought the same car as everybody else and now that you bought it, right? Yeah, there's a there's a subculture. People who drive the Mazda Miata, which a friend of mine used to have a Mazda Miata and I perfect I personally don't understand how anybody could own one. I think they're actually a very nice car and they handle very well. I he let me drive his car around. I thought it was great. But that thing is just so darn small. I mean, I'm I'm an average size guy, and I could, and I I was feeling constrained in that thing. So, uh, but all the same, they I found out they have a culture that when you are pat on driving on the road, and you, you're in your Mazda Miata, and you see somebody else who's also driving a Miata, you're supposed to honk and wave. And if you don't honk and wave, it's considered an insult in this little Miata community. And what struck me when I was driving that Miata is how many of them I saw on the road? I mean, do you think about the Mazda Miata on a daily basis unless you own one? Yeah, absolutely not. I had no idea about that. Next time I'll remember to do that <laughs> if I let one. Right. Yeah, see see how see how many of them you find. It's it 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 was just I, I couldn't believe it. I think I think uh went for about a half hour drive I saw nine of these Miatas on the road. I, I, I didn't even know there were nine in existence until then. So it's kinda interesting. So what I'd like to do here, now that we've yeah. tapped into a little bit about the power of quotes, we've seen it in your life, we've seen it in my life a little bit, we've seen how quotes often are the result of somebody else being subliminally or subconsciously influenced in a way they themselves can't even remember. Let's harness that power a little bit. And if you could tell us a bit about how entrepreneurs can use quotes to establish themselves as authority figures and increase customer retention. So first and foremost, there are a couple of ways you can do this. Um, as you, I'm sure all of you already know, quotes are big shareable items on social media. So whatever is in line with you and your brand and whatever your message and expertise is, obviously share the quotes that relate to that because people just love quotes. They love it because I think they're slightly vague. They start, they work in many situations and all of that good stuff. So that's one way you can use quotes to improve your business, to increase your social media following and to do, you know, gain an audience that you wouldn't otherwise have had. Now the second thing is that you could you have to use quotes in your branding. 
And the reason I say that, when I say branding, I don't mean what is visual. Like, I don't mean the colors or I don't mean the just the tagline. But I mean things like, what do you say in the middle of a blog post or a podcast? What do you end it with? Or um, I- even things like, what are your main messages that you do? You kind of need to put that in a quote. Like, there is a, you know... Famous example, I don't know if, how many of you listen to Marie Folio, but she uses a quote that um, that says, everything is uh, figure-outable. And that's very unique because it's a made-up word. There are you know, set ways of actually creating a quote that sticks and stays in your memory. But yeah. she does that extremely well, and her site is all about problem-solving. It's all about you know how to run your business and all. And, and the good stuff. So she uses that quote quite a bit. So whenever you hear that quote, you know that's her saying it, even if you don't mention her name. Uh, almost almost everybody out there is intrigued by that. So it's, it creates a kind of stickiness that you cannot get with any other form of promotion um, in your business. So, so that's another place that you can use Quotes, whether that is as little tweetables in the content that you're providing or by intermittent repetition in um, writing or podcasting or if you have a video channel on YouTube, uh, saying those words of, you know, putting something on the screen that repeats itself. That is, obviously, this quote, whatever you're trying to use, needs to be in line with what you're teaching and what your expertise is. And... If you can say it and look at it as, if you say it and it feels weird when you say it to your to your own ears, then don't say it because that means that you don't really resonate with the quote. That's one way to test out whatever quotes you want to put out there to okay. see if they're in line with who you are. Um, but there are a couple of more things we can go through as to how to you know create quotes themselves. There are many good books around that. Um, but yes, I mean, in order to grow your audience, it's a great place to have quotes, uh, whether that is in line with you or you, you can create your own. And of course, your tagline is the third part where you really need to use a, a phrase or something that describes your business very closely. I love your example. Um, everything is figure outable. Now that's something I'm going to remember. Now, yes, I have heard her say that before, so I'm familiar with the phrase. And I've been saying for years that if you want to stand out in your market, find a way to rename what everybody else is saying. For example, in my business, uh, everybody is everybody talks about no like and trust. You got to build no like and trust. Well, Pratima, how many times have you heard no like and trust? Yeah, if you kind of get bored of it, and it almost becomes a cliche and uh, and stuff over a time. But that's the point. You when you rephrase it and put it in your own words, it it works. Like just like you're saying. I'll say I'll I'll do respect to everybody who's listening who may use no like and trust in your marketing materials. There's really only one example of it that really stands out for me is the way Bob Berg, the Go Giver, says it which is all things being equal, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. It's the the addition of the all things being equal concept that makes it jump out for me. In my business, I found that if I start talking about no, like, and trust, I'm just another guy. I mean, you know, big deal, right? (laughs) So what we focus on (laughs) is what we like to call the website conversion conversation. Website conversion conversation. Now, that's something that people might remember. And if we repeat it enough times, it's going to start to ring in their brains. It's also very possible to persuade people that they saw or read something that was never said. Uh, I want to ask you that first. Uh, Have you ever seen that before uh, where somebody was convinced they heard or read something that never actually got said? (laughs) <laughs> that is always debatable, right? Like whether they believe uh-huh. that they have never heard of it. Um, it could be a paraphrase. I mean, it'll take uh, enormous amount of research to kind of find the source of what they have said or if they have actually paraphrased. 
But that's, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I think, besides the point as well, because we all consume information in all sorts of ways. And when we say something, when anybody says something, it usually comes from our memory and what we have digested, right? So um, it's unlikely that something is that original. I'm sure there are great writers out there, and unless you're the next Maya Angelou or something. have a very unique way of expressing something, then yes, obviously that's going to be unique or original. But for the most part, everything is repeated. It is paraphrased. It is rewritten in a different way. It's just English language, right? Um, You have 10 words. It could be said any way. And most probably it has been said many ways. But the set and the order and the type of words you can use to say the same thing make it yours. Right. Here's an example I love to share when I get up on stages or I teach on telesummits, which I do all the time. Uh, Pratima, are you familiar with a movie from about 30 years ago called Wall Street? Yeah, I've seen that movie, yes. So you know that you know Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen, uh, you might, you yeah. know that movie, right? And uh, yeah. the, the character that Michael Douglas played, named Gordon Gecko, was at a shareholders meeting for Teldar Paper, and he said three famous words. Do you remember what those words are? <laughs> I don't remember off the top, but I know those two, three things. What make more money? Make you money? Make me money more? That was part of the message, but uh, but it's but it's but but it it. People widely will remember that scene because of three words. Let's see if you can do it. I'll I'll, I'll give you about ten seconds and then I'll bail you out. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. You were you were actually close. I'm going to give you ten uh, seconds. I'm counting. Uh, let's see. Um, make. No, show me the money. Yeah, I remember. Show me the money. <laughs> that was Jerry Maguire. All right, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, all right, I'll, 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 I'll bail you out. Uh, the, the phrase that people remember from the movie Wall Street is "greed is good." Oh, okay. I, I completely got off my radar. I think it was like you said, Jerry Maguire. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but, but see, here's my point. Um, nowhere in the movie Wall Street are you going to find the phrase greed is good. The gecko character never said greed is good. I have, I mean, this is one of those roll the tape moments, but the fact is he did not say greed is good. The actual quote, regardless of what happens when you do a Google images search and you find all kinds of memes with quotes on them with a picture of Michael Douglas and the Gordon Gecko character with the phrase greed is good next to it. In fact, I'm going to do it right now on my Google and I'm going to just see what comes up. So I'm going to type greed is good. Just those three words, greed is good. And I'll go to my Google images search. And yeah, my whole page here is dominated by pictures of that character with the phrase greed is good in characters. But that's not what he said. The phrase he used was is greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Two slightly different phrases, much different energy, because to say greed is good goes up against what most of us were taught as children. We were taught that it's bad to be greedy, it's good to be generous. And if you ever came to class when you were in grade school and you had a little bit of candy in your pocket and you, you, you ate some of the candy and the teacher caught you, the teacher would make you do what? Bring in a bag of candy for everybody the next day. The reason being is if you don't have enough for everybody, don't bring it at all. Don't be greedy. So you tell somebody greed is good, then that's going to cause a natural resistance to come between that person and your message. But if you use the the phrase greed for lack of a better word is good, what we're saying is, we're not saying that greed is good. We're saying that greed is something, but it's not good. So we can now have a conversation about that. And uh, what I'd like to do right now is read the entire phrase from the movie. It goes as follows. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. 
Reed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, for knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind, and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. That's the actual quote. So with that being said, having heard the full quote, do you think he's all wet? Absolutely not. It's completely taken out of context. What he meant was very different from greed is good, right? Right, right. He didn't say that greed is good. He was speaking to somebody else, which is that man's, you know, mankind's natural acquisitiveness and want to succeed, uh, the human drive and being successful is a good thing. And if you want to call that greed, if you can't come up with a better word for it, then for lack of a better word, it is good. And the way I look at it myself is, you know, it's great to say I gave my last dime to help. But if I gave my last dime to help, then I've only given a dime and now I can't help anybody else. Am I not more effective in the world? Uh, And there I go with some of my own language stuff too. I almost put myself in my own trap. Those who follow the morning Adam or familiar with the trap I just almost set for myself. Um, Am I more effective in the world? Or better yet, I agree that people are more effective when they serve from an overflowing cup versus when they give their last dime. Is that something that most people you think can agree with? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Then I have lots of of dimes. That's really the gist of the whole greed for lack of a better word is good thing. It's the idea that we can do more when we have more. So rather than than condemn people from being successful, we should encourage it. So just right there, the power of a quote. When we look at the quote the way it's been taken out of context, it sounds like a bad thing. But then when we look at it in context, it's, it's like almost inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, okay, so what really happened was people wanted something because the actual quote is quite long. They tried to make it more marketable by cutting it short and in the process took it out of context. Right. It changed the entire meaning and it no longer means what, what it originally said. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely you have to be careful about that um, of what you're using or what you're trying to convey with the set of words. Yeah. So I wanted to spend a few minutes on that because not only the quote itself matters, but how context matters. All right. So let's say that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur here, which I am, I'm a business creator and I want to put out some quotes to to send a message and I'm scratching my head here thinking, huh, what kind of quote should I use? What kind of, you know, and who should I quote? What are some criteria for making the decision about who you should quote? And what are the best sources, in your opinion, for finding the quotes? Because there are so many. I would, I mean, there are many ways. You can either quote somebody or make your own quotes. I suggest making up your own because they're just more memorable and they're more you. Um, than quoting somebody as is or paraphrasing them, for that matter. Um, But if you were trying to quote, and there are many times I've used other people's uh, quotes as well because it just, you know, rings true. You want to say the exact same thing and you can't, you know, find a better way to do it. Um, Always look at the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations and also the Bartlett Common quotations. I look at both of them every year and there are many of them. There are many that have been quoted out of poetry and literature and all these other places. But I would look through them and look through the index to find around business if that's what you're trying to do or whatever subject you're trying to um, convey through your quote, you can use those. Right. So, with that being in mind, have you made up any quotes of your own? 
Yeah, I have about 30 or 40% of the quotes on the on crafty design are my own things like, are you asking the right questions? Again, I'm not claiming that I have created those words, but I'm sure it came from somewhere else that I must have read. But the point of it was it came to me while I was asking myself many questions and it was a kind of a revelation moment. So yes, I do use my own quote sometimes uh, if it is conveying what I wanted to convey on my own site. And that's why, because I'm a site, you know, selling quotes themselves. I don't create a tagline as uh, evidently as most other businesses should. That's on right. purpose. All right. So uh, so with that in mind, as I understand, when we go to craftdesigns.com, which is your website, or rather craftstreetdesign.com. I apologize for that. Craftstreetdesign.com. Uh, these are these quotes you create are the types of things that somebody hangs on their wall. They are things that you hang on your wall, depending on the size. You can choose a smaller one to put it on your desk. And there is also a different product that we have recently launched. It's a little stand that can hold um, 12 prints, and that goes on your desk or a coffee table or a side table. Right. I right. I I, I understand. So, I right. So I'm just looking at some. I'm just looking at some of these right on your site right now, and some of these are just one word. Like I'm looking at uh, two right now that say start and stop. Uh, what caused you to come up with those? <laughs> so in different contexts, it's like you want to start something and you're, you know, you're analyzing. It's it's for somebody who is analyzing a lot, looking at all these variations, and not they're not starting. They're just doing all this work, and which is great. But you're probably doing excessive of it, and you look at this word and you just go ahead and take some action. So that's what that word was for. It's a certain person, certain kind of situation. And the word stop is for a situation where somebody is constantly either self-sabotaging themselves. I imagine the person constantly saying things like, okay, you didn't do that right, or somebody who's being too perfect at what they're trying to do. And that reminds them of stopping that action and kind of taking a pause and realizing what you're doing before you go off and produce more work. Right. That. So that could be an interesting dichotomy if I were to take the stop, excuse me, the start and the stop and hang them next to each other. Would you recommend that I do that is uh, buy both of them, put them on my wall and hang them next to each other? I wouldn't because that is just creates confusion, right? You don't okay. want the quotes that create confusion for you. But you usually a person who has trouble starting by overanalyzing is not the same person trying to be perfect and actually trying out some things and they have to stop. Usually there's opposite or different kinds of people. So yes, I wouldn't recommend to actually keep them both on the same wall because it creates a sense of confusion every time you look at this. But if you had a different meaning connected to it in some other way that I did not perceive, maybe it works for you. So it really depends on the person. Right. I I see. So I, I just wanted to ask that because what occurred to me is if I were to have both of those signs and I hung them next to each other, or both those quotes and hung them next to each other, that it could speak to depending on where I am that particular day. We spoke earlier of cognitive bias, and we can go on pretty much any social network at any time, and within 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to find whatever message we need that day. Yeah, because I found I found it myself. I uh, th this this reminds me of something about uh, happened to me about maybe about three years ago. Is uh, is one of my previous girlfriends was trying to come back into my life, and I was you know not quite remembering the circumstances of when I'd been with her like ten years before. I mean, I remembered it from a broad view, but I'd forgotten some of the details and the reasons why I broke it off with her because it was actually me that broke it off and you know here she is coming back again 
and I'm, and while I have her on the telephone, I'm scrolling through my Facebook news feed, and I saw a quote that said, uh, that said, let the past go to voicemail. It has nothing new to say. And I interpreted that as, uh, <laughs> don't go back there. Right. That's, that's, I mean, that's fantastic the way. I mean, it worked for you. Yes, you kind of knew the answer, but you just needed a validation. That's what you got from that quote, and it worked. Right. But what's funny about that is I might not even notice that quote if it wasn't for the situation I was in at that time. Yeah, that's true. That's because you are consumed by that particular set of choices at that point and this quote kind of validated what you were already thinking because you were looking for it you were just looking for someone to say that because logically you knew that was the answer and you had your you know feelings mixed but kind of had to step back and that helped you do that right and it's mostly like you said because you were looking for it because you knew it and you were tuned to that mode already Right, yeah. So there's another one I want to ask you about on your site is you have one that says don't diet. Yeah. What's up with that one? I don't they <laughs> don't they say you're supposed to diet? I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, so that's for people who go on dieting and they do they diet every few weeks every few days lose a few pounds and then go back to having um, relationship issues with food and the weight is fluctuating too much all the time and that's really not healthy and that's not a great way to lose weight either so it's for the people who are looking at diets as a way of life so you want that's who that's for where you have to be consciously making good food choices not really dieting so it's not a diet. Diet always means something short-term, something quick, you know. So to take that mentality out of out of someone's head, that poster will help them look at it and say, okay, this is a lifestyle. It's not a diet. There are so many times when I say, you know, I'm choosing broccoli over, I don't know, cheeseburger that day, <laughs> and people ask me, oh, you're dieting. I'm not dieting. This is how we're supposed to be eating. <laughs> Right. You know, it's okay to eat cheeseburgers, but it's not wrong to choose salad over cheeseburger, and that's not a diet. So in order to correct that language, it's really in our head, and to correct that is what that poster is supposed to do. Yeah, I I, I see what you mean. And, you know, another, another thing that I'm thinking about here is, you know, you mentioned that there is, again, a cognitive bias. So if you... Uh, choose to consume healthy food. Now you have people asking, are you on a diet? Or if you turn down the cheeseburger and say you want the salad instead, they'll ask, were you one of those vegan types or something? And then you find out the person right. is. Then, <laughs> then you find out the person is. <laughs> Absolutely. I've had that many times. And um, it's also the company you keep, right? But you can't like just drop everybody just because they're calling, they're asking you if you diet. So it's right. you know, it's kind of the people you surround with. If you're surrounded with healthy people, they probably will not say that. Um, so it depends. Right. Here's another thing I'm noticing. But it, but it, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I insist. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, it's really about the conversation we have in our own heads in order to change that. It's more than other people saying something. It's also what we say to ourselves all the time. Right. Okay, so now let's, uh, let me ask you another question here. Again, I've had a chance to go through your prints at Craft Street Design. Another thing I noticed that all of your prints are black and white or grayscale. There's I don't see any color here unless I'm missing something. No, absolutely. You're right. There are a few uh, that are in color, but they're really for corporate. For the most part, the designs are in black and white. Yes. Yeah. Is there, is there a reason behind that? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons. One, that the words themselves occupying um, the space creates a sense of purpose and importance to the words and their meaning. 
um, and it's almost like trying to removing trying to remove all kinds of distractions. Color, yes, can enhance if you use it well and use it right, but that is the kind of thing I wanted to represent. Um, being black and white, kind of taking everything else out of it other than the words themselves, because they are the most important and they are the most, you know, the purpose of doing this is to gather the meaning of the words and to contemplate over them. So I looked at colors and other designs on it as distractions. So you'll see very minimal add-ons. There are a few with, um, you know, brush strokes and sometimes to enhance certain um meaning of the word without actually reading the quote. There are some visuals in there. But for the most part, I simplified it as much as much as needed and added details as I thought were necessary. That's part of the our design process for each quote. Right. I I I understand. So uh where did you yeah, uh, what was your main inspiration for the quotes you've already come up with? Because I, I, I haven't actually had a chance to go through and count them, but it looks like you have uh, maybe about twenty or thirty quotes right now, unless I'm missing like a complete different area of your website. Um, there are over three hundred of them. Aha! Um, so it's now, not, I now I yeah, see it. Yeah. So the first. Yeah, there's different okay. categories. I see it. Oh, I'm just yeah, you know, I'm just going through a few of these because I'm just seeing this now for the first time. Yeah, this is wow. So I mean, I as I scroll as I scroll through these, I can tell that in some cases you are quoting a human being who already exists, uh, who already said it. But a lot of these phrases at the same time, it looks like don't have an attribution. So uh, I'm just yeah, you know, I just want to get you know in our last few minutes here, sort of a sense of. What was the creative thought process that drove you to create these phrases, the ones that you didn't borrow from somebody else? The ones that I didn't borrow, first of all, all quotes on the site resonate with me in some way, form, right. or another. In some situation, I have either used them or I felt something looking at them. That's where we start, first thing, because I'm the founder, so I get to do that. That's right. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then uh, the ones that are not attributed to someone, either the author is anonymous, it's not really attributed to somebody, uh, or it is actually what I wanted to say in that moment. All through, all through the day, all through many you know stages of life, you kind of look at things, and some things just ring, ring true in your mind, and that's where the inspiration for some of these quotes come. But not all are like that. Some are said by somebody but it's stated as anonymous and I couldn't find the source no matter where I look so I kind of put don't put anything under there I see uh and and, and, I, and I love that you and I love that you said uh that part about how you're the founder so you can do what you want I love I love when entrepreneurs own that and because it's very true is you know we we can we can quote things we want to do just because we can do it. And I think that's also part of the power behind quotes is you can create a message uh, just because you you can create the message just because you want to create the message. You can create the feeling just for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you are in control and you are creating something as a business owner. You are whatever you call and how much of it we get caught up in numbers at the end of the day it is your business it's like your baby you can do whatever you want <laughs> right right that's just that's just absolutely beautiful i mean this is you know part of what really inspires me about this topic so uh what i'd like to do now is we're right near the top of the hour here and I wanted to just turn over the floor to you for a minute or so and just get a sense of how you know you work with business creators i know you create these quotes here and everything else but i want to make sure that we cover the actual topic of our interview today is how to get to a six-figure business using this process you've outlined so if you could tell us a little bit about that that'd be great yep absolutely so i have the way i got to six figures i'm just going to outline that in as quickly as possible. 
Right. So the simple steps are really, the first one is about knowing yourself and looking at your own mindset. Right. Um, it's almost like trying to find your blueprint. And I had to do that in my own case to find what drives me and who I am as a person. Because when you start a business, you are spending, I would say, about 80% of your time doing business, right? So you kind of have to be in line with your values. Otherwise, you're going to get very stressed and you're not going to be too happy. So it's important to do that first step. Uh, then the second step is in that, you know, while doing that, you find your why from, from your first step and you understand what is driving you. But your second step is about perseverance and how are you going to continue to do what you do, whatever it is that you do for your business. So for me, it was motivating myself through posters and quotes and also tracking goals, and which is why I give away the goal calendar, um, you know, to track how far you've come. And that's very important on a daily basis. And I don't mean just tasks. I mean, as big picture goals as well. So you could, so you can see if one day doesn't go as you planned, that you're actually make, still making progress. And it's a very important thing to do on a daily basis. Now, after after that, there is a third step, which is education, investing in yourself, which you're already doing listening to this podcast, which Adam brings such excellent information on. So just continue down that path and get more education and invest in yourself. Right. Um, that's, I took a lot of online courses, listened to a lot of podcasts to understand online marketing tactics. Um, when I started, I had no idea how to market myself online or the business. Nobody knew about it. So it took me a while to kind of understand that. Um, within that, I came across this, um, you know, a couple of techniques that I used were cold emailing on LinkedIn uh, using the in-mail feature, of course. Um, I got my very first few corporate orders that way, and then it developed into a business. But if I did not listen to some of these tactics and techniques, I may not have been in business at all. That's that's where I started. Um, and then, of course, after that, the I would say the next step is to realize and to how and to kind of strategize how to test everything that you do. So creating a product is great, but do customers really, do they really want it? Is your mom your only customer? Then you have a problem, right? right? But you kind of have to know know that and kind of look at it objectively. And it's hard as an entrepreneur to look at what you've created objectively. It's like trying to say your child is ugly. I don't think you can ever say that, right? So, right. I mean, in order, so the only way you can bring objectivity to it is to, to whatever you're running is to test execute and then change it as necessary and you have to do this all through until you really find a perfect you know product fit market fit and you know that people are buying you know until then you still need to keep testing and finding out how to refine what you've created and of course the last one is understanding of your resources which is time and money uh, having a good understanding of how much time you're willing to spend on this and also how much money you have. If you have no money and no time, it is going to be very difficult to run a business. <laughs> um, when you say no money, I mean zero dollars, like objectively zero dollars. But if you have a hundred dollars, you have five hundred dollars. There is always a technique that fits that budget. You just need to go find what that is, and you need to go execute it. When I started on LinkedIn email, I just paid for the subscription, which was I think seventy-five dollars or something yep. for a month. But that's all I paid in order to generate an order for two thousand five hundred dollars. So, right. I mean. So when I say no money, I did spend the $75, but that's like the bootstrapped amount and that's the biggest bang for your $75. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, having an understanding of how much you're willing to experiment and how much time and money you have allocated for that is very important. And to kind of keep, a, keep tabs on it as you're running your business, is, for me, it was extremely important to do that. 
And of course, there is right. the very last one, which is kind of out of your control. Um, don't be scared. It's it's not unmanageable. It is out of your control. Timing of um, the market. So when I oh, say yeah. that, I don't mean that a, a recession, or I don't mean I don't mean like the economic crisis we've had. What right. I mean is market conditions specific to your product. You need to keep tabs on that and be on top of trends and understand them like like no other like the back of your hand you've got yeah. to know it otherwise you're going to you know run into trouble but right. yeah i mean these six steps if you executed them in a in a continuous basis you would have a six-figure business that's what i did okay all right well we are actually out of time here so i just wanted to uh take a moment and thank you very much uh so everybody you who you've heard is pratima aravabumi of craftstreetdesign.com, please be sure to check out her website where you're going to see the prints that we discussed. And also, uh, there's an opportunity to download a camera and, or excuse me, a calendar and some other great things you seriously want to check out. So thank you for being with us. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.